3: And Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. It comes live and direct from the land of the long white cloud, New Zealand, where spring is turning into summer. The cricket season is upon us, and thankfully, the jet lag is just starting to clear. Plenty to talk about on the show today. Some good, bad, and ugly stories from the world of cricket. I'm joined by Gareth Batty to talk about suspensions, mental health issues, A bright new prospect in New Zealand and the return of an old favourite to the England set-up. And also look ahead to the start of the New Zealand T20 series. You're listening to Following On. Well, here we are, matey. It was only a week or so ago we were at your house in Ballon, but now I'm in Auckland, you're back in uh, London, and uh, and we go again. It's uh, a little little break from the uh, the back end of the Ashes, but uh, England's just about to get underway again over here in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's quite an exciting tour for me. Um, there's a few youngsters who are getting some brilliant opportunity um, and they're getting to do it in the sunshine rather than back here in, uh, in the UK in the cold and the wet and the mizzle.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a little chat about some of those players that will hopefully be making a bit of a splash. And, uh, you know, we, you yourself ran... The rule over a lot of the names a couple of weeks ago on the show and from what Owen Morgan's been saying in the last couple of days, they will all get an opportunity. Uh, Joe Denley ruled out the first T20, though. He turned his ankle. Uh, Not sure if that was playing football or uh, or what, but that was uh, a little bit unfortunate because, you know, the World T20 this time next year in Australia... Um, you know, it's going to be a real bun fight to get into that uh, squad. So uh, Denley's going to need to make the most of the opportunities that come. Um, before we talk about that, though, there has been a few uh, well, a few big stories in the world of cricket in the last couple of days. Let's start with the breaking news that Glenn Maxwell, the big show, Australia all-rounder, who starred in the first T20 against Sri Lanka... Uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, it's just been announced uh, by Cricket Australia that uh, he's been experiencing some difficulties with regards to his mental health and as a result will spend a short time away from the game. So, uh, you know, uh, we, we wish him well, obviously. Uh, but uh, just another reminder about, you know, what what a lot of, a lot of you guys have to go through with this uh, 11, 12-month-a-year career chopping and changing between formats constantly being you know put under the microscope by the fans the the, the media uh, non-stop travel and and unfortunately at times it takes its toll
1: yeah, I, I I actually fear for the for the younger generation I obviously don't put myself in that bracket um, I think there's the guys that um, would be into their you know the middle of their career now so anybody from sort of uh, up to the age of 30 31 32 they're under some serious pressure uh, the thing they don't have that maybe um, years gone by had was that that county side, that provincial side uh, that state side to go back and that was your comfort blanket that was where you went back If you'd been on international duty, if back then you'd been away playing for somebody else, whether it be state cricket or whatever else was going on, uh, you had that comfort blanket. And by that, I mean you had good, solid people who tell you the truth about where you're at, how you're behaving, how you're going you knew that you had that backing, you had that almost like an extra family layer to your to your life and your cricket. That is disappearing because of these guys who are traveling around the world, they're never more than a month in one place. So uh, for somebody like Glenn, he'd, he'd be off with Australia, then he'd be maybe in the, uh, the big bash for uh, three or four weeks, then he'd zip over to England, then it could be uh, the IPL. You're never really in one place. So you're not really getting to see your best friends all the time because they're probably stuck in one place in Australia for him or in England, wherever it may be. Um, so you don't have that support network that you would have had back in the day. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other things that come along and the financials and everything else that go with it is wonderful. But um, the actual stable life and uh, and putting some roots in a place where it, you can always go back to is very, very difficult. And um, it's hugely sad to hear that uh, he's struggling with that sort of a thing and uh, i, I th- the unfortunate thing I think we see now with the game and how it's going it, it's just going to happen a little bit more because people are going to find themselves a lot at airports in hotel rooms uh, staring at the same four walls because every hotel room looks the same around the world it's it's going to be very difficult for people, and we really need to keep uh, keep an eye on it and keep helping these uh, these guys and ladies get through it
3: the uh team psychologist Dr Michael Lloyd um, was the person I was quoting a couple of minutes ago I mean you know is that a position that is becoming more and more prevalent in world cricket you know these teams do need psychologists just to keep an eye on all the players involved but you know how can you do that as you say with a domestic T20 franchise that only exists for six weeks a year
1: yeah I I think it's very very difficult and I don't think there's a, a steadfast way of sorting it um, as I say, I, b- I believe that somebody like Glenn, it's, um, uh, you know, the Australian cricket board that need to look after him um, from an overall perspective for the 12 months and keep checking in with him. England, um, I've got a guy, David Young, who's their psychologist, who's magnificent and checks in with the guys. Uh, so this is going to become more of a, uh, you know, these, these people are going to become your best friend. They're going to become your family. Uh, they're going to be so important uh, for these guys traveling around the world because it's very, very difficult. Um, we only get to see the, the glossy side of it. It's like winning the jackpot. Uh, you know, your numbers come in every month when you get these big deals in different tournaments around the world, but you're spending so much time on your own um, in hotel rooms trying to fill time. Uh, the mind can wander, um, and it's, it can become a very lonely and very difficult place.
3: Mm, yeah, well, uh, hopefully uh, he comes back to the game very shortly. Um, uh, more bad news from the world of cricket. This time, uh, you know, you can have plenty of sympathy for Glenn Maxwell, but none at all for Shakib Al-Hassan. I mean, one of the premier all-rounders, uh, no matter the format, uh, Bangladesh's Test and T20 captain, banned by the ICC from all cricket for two years, uh, one of those years suspended, he accepted three charges of breaching the ICC anti-corruption code. Uh, in this day and age, I'm sorry, but there can't be any excuse for failing to declare an approach, surely. You've just got to wonder what the hell is going on there.
1: Yeah, no, there's, uh, there is no middle ground on this. He's just got it horribly wrong. And the punishment, for me, is it severe enough, is it not? Uh, he'll be back playing within a year. Um, look, he's a very high-profile player in Bangladesh. Uh, do they want him back for these t20 competitions that are coming up uh, the fact of the matter is players are sat down on a almost monthly cycle um, to be told that look if anybody even remotely you get you get a sniff that these people are, are wanting to to groom you or take you down this path you report it And it's a simple thing. You just speak to the team liaison. It's a dead simple thing. There is no further with the initial sort of uh, approaches, shall we call them. Um, And it's nipped in the bud. You are then... Totally absolved of any blame and, and any sort of issue, um, the fact it gets this far with such an international uh, superstar in the world of cricket is, uh, is incredibly sad for our game. incredibly sad for Bangladesh cricket um, because there have been a few murmurs around their their, their setup. Um, this, is, this is not a good thing, and it, and it needs to be stamped out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more positive news though, the World T20 qualifiers have been taking place, and uh, Papua New Guinea. Netherlands, Ireland, Namibia, Oman and Scotland have all qualified for the uh, next year's World T20. Well, kind of qualified. They qualified for the next qualifier, uh, but they'll be in Australia. And what it means is that uh, Jared Kimber, who is Scotland's analyst, um, will, well, he's got two months touring around South
1: Africa with us telling us how he did it. I've I've got to be honest. The bits I saw, uh, and I've not seen huge amounts of it, but I saw a few snippets. I reckon he's uh, he's sort of got those uh, Scottish lads into a bit of shape and got them playing the certain periods of the <laughs> game better. And uh, he's got some of their skill sets up. I, whew, I think he's an absolute genius, Gerard. <laughs>
3: I tell you what. I've look. I, I actually had to take. I mean, obviously, I'm in contact with him all the time. But uh, I caught I texted him about uh, a few days ago. It seemed to me that Scotland had lost about 15 games and still just <laughs> needed to win one match to qualify. I was like, how on earth does this tournament work? But uh, as I say, like with my uh, proud Scottish heritage on my dad's side, uh, I've been playing the air pipes in celebration that uh, they've made it through. So, uh, yeah, we can look forward to hearing uh, how Jarrah Kimber steered Scotland to the World T20. And on the topic of South Africa, here's a name for you, bats Devon... Conway I'm guessing you don't know or have not played or have heard about Devon Conway
1: I'm ashamed to say I, I don't there's something at the back of my mind thinking I've, I've heard the name recently but I don't know much about no
3: well look he's a left-handed batsman South African born but he's trying to make it in New Zealand uh, he became only the eighth player in the history of domestic cricket over here to score a triple century which he did a couple of days ago playing against Canterbury, followed that up with uh, 15 second innings as well. Um, and as I say, qualifies for New Zealand next year. So uh, I think we can expect to see him playing Test cricket um, within 18 months or so. Anyway, um, the big news, uh, Shaqib, uh, Al-Hassan and all of that uh, stuff, and Devon Conway and Jared Kimber steering Scotland to the World 220s. Uh, Alverio, Darren Goff, Named as, um, well, he's going to be helping out the England team, isn't he? Uh, appointed to a short-term role as bowling consultant. He's heading out here to New Zealand. Um, let's hear a little bit from Goffey, actually, speaking with Adrian Durham on Drive about his new job.
2: Well, consultant is coaching. Right, OK. Yeah, so, But you, you've got to be c- careful. When you go into any anything, especially coaching, especially management, the best thing to do to start with is watch. Watch. Uh, watch how they train, watch how they perform. Um, look at them technically, but you really don't want to be bothering too much about their technique. Most of these guys know their game inside out from when they started. They've been professionals at their cricket clubs for a few years now, a lot of them. The youngest in the group is Archer, who's been around the world now playing cricket. Saki Mahmood uh, is coming from Lancashire. He knows his game now, technically he knows what he needs to work on, um, and my idea is to chat to his coaches at Lancashire and just make sure he's going through the process of doing the right things, getting him in the right frame of mind, helping him with my experience of playing in New Zealand, and game plans. So yes, coaching is involved, but it has to come from the player that, I think, when you're there for a short period of time, to just jump in. I th- I've seen coaches do that in the past. They come in and they feel as though they have to do something straight away. You know what I mean? Oh, change this, change that, change that. Why would you do that? Can you imagine Muller Ithrin? How would he have ever played 20 years of international cricket? Can you imagine uh, Kevin Peterson, the way he used to bat and and that stuff? So the best thing is to watch. um, And if they come to you and ask you a question, um, give them an honest answer. But I think it's mainly about picking game plans, working batsmen out, Uh, situations of the game in-game management and stuff like that so specifically bowling right Um, yes uh, but obviously there's a one day series going on when I get out there Uh, so originally I'll be with the test team I think there's 11 players going out for the tests who are not in the one dayers some have been rested and I'll be alongside Graham Thorpe for I think five days six days just me and him with the test team, and then we'll be joined, obviously after they finish the one-day series on the 11th, by the head coach Chris Silverwood, and I think it's Paul Collingwood as well.
3: Daryl Goff speaking on his drive time show with uh, Adrian Durham. There, uh, there's one thing we know about Goffy; he is a proud Englishman. Um, and you know what? There's been plenty of chat away from the microphone, privately between us and him. His interest in getting involved in that England setup has been there for all to see for a number of years. And, and it's superb that Chris Silverwood um, has essentially uh, you know, engineered it alongside with Ashley Charles to make it happen.
1: I think it's magnificent. Um, Goffey is arguably still our best ever white ball bowler. Uh, he is for me, anyway. Um, and, and there'll be a few other names that would, would have a very good case to say, look, I, I perform well for England in white ball cricket. But uh, Goffy's skills uh, were fantastic back in the day. His knowledge of the game, and actually through working with Talk Sport, his knowledge has got of all sports. So the motor skills around all sports has got better and better and better, which stands him in, stands him in brilliant stead to be putting across different views to to these young, exciting players um, with a with a traditional cricket background, but the the understanding of how sport is going just worldwide in all sports. Uh, I think Goffey will be magnificent. I really do. He's infectious. I mean, you almost don't want to be commentating next to him sometimes because you're almost wetting yourself with excitement because he's just so involved in the game. He loves England. Uh, he wants the boys to do well. I think it'll be an absolute hit. I mean, you've been in a position where bowling coaches have come in i mean there must be
3: different uh different styles of coaching but you know what he said just then is that you don't come in and just start trying to reinvent the wheel and trying to get everyone's backs up you've got to be a little bit gent- gentle with it i mean you've been in that position when someone's come in you know it, is it very much down to the players themselves to approach the bowling consultant or does it kind of go the other way
1: Bit of both. Um, I think first and foremost, and this is where Goffey will be brilliant, it's about establishing a relationship. Um, Goffey is the sort of guy around the team, around the change rooms. He's the guy that you can lean on. He's the guy that you can trust. Always was that sort um, when he played. You can see it now when he's got the microphone in hand. The boys open up to him. They trust him. They know that he's not there to do any any ill harm to anybody. So first and foremost, establish some relationships the first few days. And then all of a sudden, they'll be coming to him. He'll be like the Pied Piper. He won't won't need anything else. The boys will come to him and they'll be like sponges, just soaking all that knowledge, all that experience, uh, taking all that. Because an amount of what Goffey did, you know, bowling at the start of the innings and at the death, it's the bravado that you have as a person as well. It's not just a skill set. It's how you need to be as a person. So the mental side of it, uh, he'll be absolutely brilliant. And as I say, I think the biggest thing for Goffey is he's such a likable, such a good guy to be around. So he's got those relationships pretty much just on hold all he does is say hello all of a sudden those relationships will open up and then that is where the learning begins and uh, these guys will be uh, incredibly lucky to be uh, to be around Goffey for that period of time
3: yeah I totally agree and you know while he's coming out here and I'm going to go and meet up with him when he does and he's going to be in around the, the test side while they go through their warm-ups ahead of the two test series you look at that World T20 this time next year, and you just think he could you know you talk about you know the, the millimeters or the, the one percenters that you need to just get you know to, to move from a runners-up position or a silver medal to a gold medal. and you just think with that background in limited overs cricket, he could just provide just that little bit extra that maybe England have been lacking at times over the last few years.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if you remember back in Dan he we did that nine hours uh, when it was raining, talking <laughs> live. And listening to Goffit and how he actually went about becoming England's best ever Yorker bowler, reverse swing bowler, he was basically what Brodie was talking about earlier, that he was the sponge taking advice from people and learning from Waka Eunice, Wazi Makram, all these different guys. Uh, Richie Richardson, he actually, who was a batsman, he put a lot down to him, talking about bowling fast. All these experiences, I just thought Goffey ran up and bowled. I didn't think there was all this thought behind it and i played with him and was in a changing room with him there's a huge amount more about goffey that we, we don't we we just take you know we we don't look into we take for granted that it was you know goffey just goes and does it there's a huge amount of planning and thought behind it he just puts a little bit of that the way of a few of these young bowlers who maybe just need a little bit of guidance to become england's next best Yorker bowler next best reverse swing bowler to have the the, the character to bowl those major overs at the death and at the start of an innings. I think it's, uh, it's super exciting, I really do.
3: Brilliant stuff. Well, you mentioned Stuart Broad. Let's have a little listen to him. He was a guest on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast Show. Uh, Brazil didn't show up, though. It was Max Rushton in the hot seat, alongside, well, our very own Steve Harmison.
0: Darren Goff's uh, uh, an England cricket coach, Broad. Are you excited? Very excited, yeah. I mean, his um, enthusiasm's very infectious, isn't he? So I'm looking forward to working with him. He's actually the reason I chose the number eight shirt when he wore it for England. So it's, uh, working with a hero, really. So can't wait to get on the flight with, with him to New Zealand. That, I mean, having Goffey come in is, is so exciting, even for someone at my age, because you can learn from people um, that have played so much cricket. So I think that's what this England team do so well, is very open to learn from past players, from players that have been around, and, and pick up different ideas
2: and this, this winter you mentioned Richard Hadley you're off to New Zealand um, Chris Silverwood coming in uh, it's going to be a tough winter as well because you've got three s- different challenges over the course of the winter going to New Zealand where the ball probably move, swing a little bit more then you go into South Africa where the pitches might be a little bit more during their summer a little bit more flatter and then the always tough challenge going into Sri Lanka it's a tough winter for England
0: yeah it is um... But it's an exciting one. And any time a new coach comes in, there's a few new ideas. There's uh, a lot of players who are very hungry and keen to to impress. And three brilliant tours, three countries that are fantastic to go to. And you need different skills in all of them. New Zealand, you're right, you need to be a little bit fuller. I always think that bringing the batsman forward and and bringing the stumps into play is really important there because if it does move, uh, it seems to do it from a fuller length. Whereas South Africa in my opinion, really suits bowlers like me and you, know, the taller mm. ones who can hit the pitch and you bring the slips into play because the, the ball always seems to carry to the slips there. And Sri Lanka, you need 11 spinners. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint
1: Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass
3: to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. We talk about the test side of things, but it's the T20s coming up. And, you know, what makes this series very interesting, even though the fact it starts at 1am in the UK and most people are going to sleep through it. And as we know, quite a few of England's World Cup winning squad haven't made the journey out here is the fact that there is that World T20, not just one, but two in the next couple of years. The first one in Australia, this time next year, and then one in 2021 in India. Having a look at the squad is interesting, isn't it? I mean, a 15-man squad will be taken. And between us, what do you reckon, Nine or ten of those positions are, are pretty much set in stone. Jason Roy, Johnny Bairstow, Owen Morgan the captain, Josh Butler, Ben Stokes, Moeen Ali, Adil Rashid, long as his shoulder's okay, Joffre Archer, uh, absolute shoe-ins. So, so what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that's eight positions filled, seven to go. You're of the opinion that if uh, Owen Morgan's the captain, and he is, then Chris Wokes is, uh, is going to be on the plane.
1: Yep, definitely. And Root, I think Root and uh, Root and Walks, um, because of how Morgan sets up, and he's done it for four years. He's very loyal. He, he wants to know the people around him. He wants to know they're dependable, and those guys are absolutely that. Uh, they're ins for me as well.
3: So Root, because there is some, there is a school of thought that suggests that um, that Joe Root might not be part of the plans.
1: But I'm not uh, well, suggesting he'll in... definitely play, because a lot depends on a couple of young fellas coming through. Um, but he'll definitely be on the plane. He'll be part of that squad, hundred percent.
3: Okay, so that's what 9, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's ten, ten of the fifteen. Um, You've got to say that uh, the majority of the positions still up for grabs are are the bowlers. You've got yep. the likes of Jordan, Tom Curran, uh, Pat Brown, who's out here, of course. All three of those are out here. Sam Curran. David Willey, Reece Topley possibly signing for Surrey. Um, There's been a few signings for Surrey. I might ask you about that in a minute. Mark Wood, Saki Mahmood, who's out here. Um, And then Parkinson as well, the spinner. I imagine that England will want to bring a backup spinner. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of choice in, in and around that. Do you think it's, it will be a simple case of they'll be looking at maybe one from the likes of Sam Curran, David William, Reese Topley with the left arm uh, angle of, uh, of attack?
1: I, I certainly think they want a left arm, a left arm option in there. Um, all the stats and uh, and Gerard will tell us a bit better, but um, all the stats suggest that a left arm option within your bowling attack is is massive. I think it's mm. a fifty percent productivity rate, whether it be wickets or better strike rate uh, or better economy rate. It's massive. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that's something that will be looked at. So yeah, one of those three definitely. It's actually one thing to remember about this New Zealand series: the grounds are tiny. There are really small pockets. So it's going to be yeah. a very, very, very difficult series for Parkinson. It will basically tell us about his character. I'm not particularly worried about his economy because he will get hit for sixes. That's just one nature of the beast, of T20. But two, the, pitch, the grounds are so small, really small. Uh, majority of rugby grounds uh, that they have the drop in pitches. But then you, you look at some of the other guys. Jordan's not really clicked for a period. Pat Brown, that's going to be difficult for him. Um, he plays in the North Group in England um, where the grounds are generally bigger Uh, you're playing up at Durham at Headingley at uh, Old Trafford big grounds this is going to be difficult in New Zealand Uh, Tommy Curran I think has done enough that he's penciled in Um, obviously was around the one day 50 over stuff um, but still needs to keep an eye on on things Mahmood's the exciting uh, young speedster um, where he will hugely benefit from Goffey, reverse swing and, and bowling up front. Wood, question mark on, on fitness. Uh, can we keep mm. him fit for a whole series? So Wood and walks, that's going to be something that might go against them, the fitness aspect of it. Can they get through a full tournament? And these are all things that you've got to look at.
3: Um, and then if you look at the batting, because there is uh, Joe Denley's out here, as I made mention of, he's going to miss the first one with a little injury. James Vince, Darwin Milan, Sam Billings. I mean, you know, I was somewhat surprised to hear he'd been named vice captain, obviously picked up an injury uh, this season, but he's been in and out of that uh, 50 over side and T20 side for a number of years now. And just got the feeling it's now or never for him.
1: Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it has to be. Again, um, for what may become a difficult challenge for the bowlers becomes a massive positive for the batters. The grounds are small, so you don't need to be sweating on a boundary. Uh, those boundaries are going to come. Uh, it could come down to as, as much as who hits the most boundaries and, and actually who hits the most sixes who win these 2020 games because the, the boundaries are so small. Um, the one person we've not mentioned, Banton. Poof, smashing talent. Wonderful player. Got runs in a Lord's final. Uh, cleaned up in the T20 blast. For me, he's almost pencilled himself in for this 2020 World Cup coming up. For me, is that that good. He really is. But you go back to those names, those names that we've heard a while. Denley. Absolute nightmare getting injured. Absolute nightmare. He really needed to have a big series. Billings, similar, needs a big series, really does. Milan, I think, a bit less so um, because he's, he's sort of... Uh, for whatever reason, found himself just out of, the, out of the makeup because of other formats of the game, not because he's performed particularly badly in 2020. Uh, so Milan maybe maybe a bit less so, but he is going to be um, kept out of that squad if Denley and Billings do their business. Um, and, and then, you know, Vince in the background has um, been given a lot of opportunity as well, but they'll be licking their lips to, to get a game out there because these pitches are so small.
3: Uh, And anyway, back for Alex Hales whilst Owen Morgan's captain, do you think?
1: It's going to be very difficult for him. He needs weight of runs. Um, he had a reasonable T20 blast, but he had a, a pretty poor uh, CPL in the West Indies, in the Caribbean. He went as the marquee player and, and didn't sort of live up to that hype, which will be uh, on his radar. And is that going to affect him getting picked up in other competitions around the world? And I, I know he's got a big bash gig. Uh, so he needs to be having big tournaments now and needs to be putting his name back uh, in the media for the right reasons, not, not for the uh, off-field uh, misdemeanors.
3: Yeah, I mean, if he does have a sterling uh, big bash, well, you know, with the World twenty taking place in Australia, he might make a, a case for himself. But it is difficult to see him coming back in the short term. Um, nearly finished with the, the show, but uh, I did make mention of some of those signings i have made this uh, week. It's been a busy old uh, few days, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it certainly has. I thought I'd be getting my P45 at one point. <laughs> Every day, we're just getting messages through. But um, we've signed a couple of young fellas, bowlers who are, who are ones for the future. Uh, they've been with England under the 19s who are, who are wonderful talents. And then obviously the ones that uh, everybody knows about, um, Rhys Toppley, who's been in England colours before. Um, we've managed to um, to persuade him to, to leave uh, Sussex and, and come up the road. Um, he didn't want to go for that deal down there. And, and Hashim Amla, uh, which we touched on before, um Giving up international cricket and we've got him as a cold pack which um is an interesting one for a lot of people out there i i, I actually think uh coal packs on the whole actually make our domestic system uh, better but um and certainly in this case, wow i mean hashim mamla I'm not qualified to talk about how how good a player that looks playing. uh so yeah wow. we're we're in a pretty good place.
3: Yeah, Hashim Amla, Reese Topley, uh, as you mentioned, a couple of under nineteens, um, Darcy Short as well, and Shadab Khan as yes. well. But you know the one that um, kind of went under the radar a little bit, Michael Nisa, who I think is a terrific bowler signing uh, in, for the championship this year. So that that would be interesting as well. Uh, the hundred draft, of course, uh, took place just before um, I left town. Uh, I mean, mentioning no names, but there was a little bit of disquiet. From some of the, uh, and this is something that you raised ahead of the hundred draft. You said, "Look, there's going to be some uh, some problems, you know, because a lot of players are expecting to be called up for the teams, and of course, there's only 50 spots. 13 of them went to uh, Colpac. Pack, so um, alongside some of the overseas stars." Uh, did you pick up on, have you heard a, a little bit of a disquiet in and around the, the, the county scene? at Some of the English guys that didn't get the big paydays that they uh, kind of expected?
1: Yeah, I'm chuckling because I've heard quite a lot of disgruntlement um, from, uh, I suppose, that the older players wanting one last payday, but some of the younger players who've basically set themselves up to play white ball cricket um, and didn't get picked up, who've done pretty well in our domestic comp and have been the ones who've gone to the less desirable places around the world to play and done pretty well. So um, it's it's a difficult one. There were always going to be some upset players. There really were. Um, but I think, look, if there's a positive to take from this, I actually think... Uh, the way that it all went down, I had a look at it the other day. Uh, the players that they've got in and the players that went for some good money are younger players, the the semi unproven. And I think if you're talking about a young, vibrant, fresh competition, it's pointless picking you, you know, your Ian Bell's and and the guys who've been the names of uh, yesteryear. Yes, they're still playing, but um, you want a competition that's got to be different from the T20 Blast, from the the One Day Cup, from four, four day cricket and all this. I, I think actually going down that route was a was an interesting one, and so like a Luke Wright who's been around the world um, playing all different forms the last pick of the whole 100 draft you know he would have been expecting 70, 80, 90 100,000 pounds and he's gone for the last pick Um, it suggests that um, something was afoot in the whole selection and actually I believe for it to work that was the right way brilliant
3: stuff well look uh, we'll we'll be back after the third T20 next week find out a little bit about who's made it uh, made their you know uh, chance count really and uh, look back at uh, what's occurred and look ahead to the last two games but great to have you with us as ever mate and uh, yeah we'll chat next week good to see you Matt Um, so yeah thanks for listening to the following on podcast on TalkSport you can subscribe and review on ACAST or iTunes but we will be back live from New Zealand and England this time next week looking back at that third T20 thanks for listening